the podcast. Man, that feels good. Hour three, great to be with you. The phone number here, 317-239-9393, but can't call on a podcast. It's going to take a little something to get used to because it is a third hour, but yet we're not, it will soon be on, uh, if we do it right, stations everywhere. Uh, Glad to be with you. Ruth Bader Ginsburg in the news to let you know she ain't going no place. Actually, Ruth Bader Ginsburg has decided she's going to have some new theme music when she walks in like it's the WWE. That's how she's walking into court from now on. She's going full Beretta. She's saying she'd like to stay on the bench for another five years. She says, I'm 85. My senior colleague, Justice Paul Stevens, stepped down when he was 90. So I think I have at least five more years. We, we, we should find it interesting that that's close to correlating to the end of a second term of President Trump. Oh, I'm sorry, did I frighten you with the second term of President Trump or did I make you cheer? I don't know which it is. I think it's great. I think it's funny that people are asking the question because it really shows a crazed level of concern that uh, the American left has for what's going on. Like, they're not sure what's going to happen with the court. They've realized that all of the screaming and yelling they had on the Kavanaugh pick, Brett Kavanaugh, of course, uh, uh, you know, just a court of appeals in D.C., all of that, well, it's not going to do anything. He's getting confirmed. It's over, Johnny. It's over. Of course he's getting confirmed. That's two. Can you imagine three? How about four? Because it's possible. I'm not saying it's probable. I'm saying it's possible. So now there are a lot of people, they've, they've got themselves the shakes. When Anthony Kennedy decided to retire, there are members of the American left who called him a traitor. A traitor! He's 81. He doesn't want to do this anymore. Well, no, you have to do it because you have to keep Trump in line. The last two uh, cases, he uh, sided with the conservative side. That doesn't seem to matter to them. Doesn't seem to be of any uh, consequence. He's a traitor. I mean, that's it's it's really reached a special level of crazy here. Of what we're seeing uh, in in terms of their their worrying and 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 their fears, but maybe that's a good thing. Maybe if they're all you know uh, uh, focused on, on that and and being in that in that uh, kind of camp of constant worry, they'll they'll lose their footing. I would rather they had an honest conversation about policy and we talked about what was best, but they don't want an honest conversation about policy and talk about what's best. They don't want to have a a, a, a conversation uh, talking about policy at all. No, no, no. We've already seen that for far too many, it's, it's about just totally destroying your enemy, right? Put an end... Um, uh, 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 to to the political right, put an end to the GOP, put an end to the Republicans, end them, end them, end them with everything in you. That's what you got to do. Just do that. Don't let them talk. Don't let them speak. Don't let them have freedom of speech. Don't let them have a voice. No, 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 no. Don't let them speak on college campuses. 
Call them racists. Call them bigots. If they go out there and try and stop people from destroying a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame, beat them up. The Ninth, oh, the Ninth Circuit actually sided with Trump supporters. San Jose, it was a case about whether or not the police uh, made it impossible for Trump supporters to escape a, a protest of their, of their rally and therefore fed them into uh, a, a violent situation to which they were attacked. And the Ninth Circuit said, yup. I can't believe it. It's a Ninth Circuit. They sided with uh, gun rights in, in Hawaii the other day saying that open carry is allowed. It was a 2-1 decision. We'll see if it goes then, bank, which is to say the full Ninth Circuit Court. And now this, up is down, left is a banana. I don't know what to think. It's quite incredible. But the, what they said is, is that the, the police in San Jose acted in such a way as to make it uh, so that uh, Trump supporters could not get to where they wanted to be, that they were pushed into this other crowd, and therefore uh, the the violent uh, haters of Trump attacked. So the police are on the hook. That case is going to continue. I wanted to get into Arthur Salzberger. And this very, very interesting case, conversation, about where journalism is in America. I think it's pretty important. I think it's pretty important and pretty worthwhile because the conversation of fake news, the conversation of um, of uh, enemy of the people, right? Media is the, uh, the journalists are the enemy of the people, the press is the enemy of the people, and how that kind of plays out. Whether or not there's there's validity to that and whether or not President Trump is causing the scene, causing the problem, right? That's one of the, the big questions. President Trump causing a problem. Is he uh, putting uh, the lives of journalists uh, on, the, on the line by, by making this kind of, uh, of claim uh, that enemy of the people? And to that point, there was a meeting between President Trump and a couple people, including A.G. Salzberger. He is the publisher of the New York Times. It's a family enterprise, of course. And this was a private meeting. And President Trump talked about the private meeting. It was uh, happened on July 20th. He had accepted President Trump's invitation to raise concerns about the president's, quote, deeply troubling anti-press rhetoric. Well, President Trump tweeted out about the meeting, saying the vast amounts of fake news being put out by media and how that fake news has morphed into the phrase enemy of the people, sad. Well, that's not the way Salzberger sees it. Salzberger starts having a conversation where he says, I told him that although the phrase fake news is untrue and harmful, I am far more concerned about his labeling journalists enemy of the people. I want this inflammatory language. I warned that this inflammatory language is contributing to a rise in threats against journalism and will lead to violence. He says it's true overseas where governments are using Trump's words as a pretext to crack down on journalists, warning that the president, warning the president his attacks were putting lives at risk. Now, I must say that there is a serious problem here with Arthur Salzberger and what he is saying. A.G. Salzberger and what he's saying here. And the problem is, 
is that Salzberger is not being honest about what it is that his industry and, yes, his paper did to create the scenario and the situation that we have today. This is frustrating, what we're witnessing. And it's frustrating because if, if people won't take ownership of their part in the problem, how does the problem ever get solved? So let me start with a, a basic here. It is wrong. Wrong to think that all press is evil. It is wrong to think that every story told is a lie. It is wrong to think that a story that might not put Donald Trump in the most pretty of lights is somehow a fake news story. That is not true. And there could be a story that is negative about President Trump, even in his own words he said this, that is absolutely positively factual. That can happen. But if the media doesn't start taking ownership of what they have done to create this situation, if they don't take ownership, well, then it's never going to get better. It's time for the junkie to realize they're on the junk. I'll get to that in just a, a couple of minutes. Great to have you here. Be sure to get the podcast at WIBC.com, soon to be TonyCats.com. I'm Tony Katz. So Salzberger's a junkie. I mean, that's just the way it is. I'm Tony Katz. Uh, The podcast, Hour 3, going on right now. Right now it's a podcast. Don't worry, it's going to be available to the world. Coming up soon, Arthur Salzberger, we're talking about the publisher of the New York Times. I want to continue this story because he's a junkie. And he needs to get off the junk. And this has to do with his conversation with President Trump. That was supposed to be a private conversation back on July 20th. President Trump started tweeting about it. Salzberger, the publisher of the New York Times, is talking about it. Talking about how he thinks the president president's uh, anti-press rhetoric is deeply troubling. Uh, that it's making things dangerous uh, for journalists. That it's going to lead to a rise of threats against journalists and violence. That the president is putting lives at risk. And I said, and I'll say it again, uh, that the, the, the president can't look at a story that's negative about him if it's factual and call it fake news. I mean, he can try, but he'd be wrong. He'd be wrong in that case. You're allowed to have a conversation that where you disagree with the president, you don't like something he does, you can gauge the facts and, and say, this is why I think he's wrong. That all makes perfect sense. So we're, so we're clear. The problem in having this conversation about fake news and enemy of the people, is that the media itself has not recognized their complicit role in this conversation. Man, that's an issue. How in the world are you supposed to get better if you don't recognize your own problem? How in the world do you expect to get this done. First things first, and something that they have to all accept, 
whether it be the New York Times or the Washington Post, the L.A. Times, CNN, MSNBC, uh, ABC News, NBC News, CBS News. You're not saints. You did this. You are complicit in all of this. When Donald Trump was running for president, it was obvious that you were in the bag for Hillary Clinton. Anything to get Hillary Clinton elected. You came out with story after story uh, going after Donald Trump when just a year or two before you would have been thrilled to run into him at any restaurant. You would have been thrilled if he sat at your table. You would have loved to golf with him. But because he was running for president, he was now the enemy. Enemy number one, only proving the cravenness of your politics. Then you had journalists who admitted that they were throwing away journalistic integrity. They could not worry about journalism when this man might be president, and they had to fight. Then you lost. And then you lost, and you did something that is just remarkable. You said, all right, we're back. Trust us again. As if nothing had happened. And the rest of us said, what? Wow, that was really loud. Can we try that again? What? Oh, that's much better. That's much better. That's what we said. What are you talking about? You just told all of us who supported him to kiss our own ass. You told all of us to go pound sand. You said you weren't even going to worry about journalism. And now you, the New York Times, specifically the New York Times, you're going to get back to the journalism uh, that, that, that people expect from you? I remember talking about it then. What makes you think you can get back our trust? What is wrong with you? You are the person who is addicted, who then decided, you know what, I'm going I'm to clean up my act, man. I'm going to... I'm gonna be good, man. I got it. I got it, man. I figured it out. I really, I was, I was down, man. I was, I was down. I, I didn't want to be down, but I was down. I didn't realize it, but I realize it now. <laughs> now I'm, 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 I'm all good, man. And no, man, I don't do that. So, all right, try have a drink every now and again. But that's no big deal, right? No big deal. I just have a drink every now and again. But that's cool, you know. It's not like I'm, I'm not like I'm on the hard stuff anymore, man. I'm just gonna have a drink every now and again. I can handle, it. you know. I'm not a child, right? I'm not a child, right? Don't treat me like a child. I'm not a child. It's not like children around here. I'm not a child. So I'm just have a drink every now and again. I'm gonna be good. It's gonna be cool. So we're cool. We're cool. We're cool. We're cool. That's what they did. That's exactly what they did. Except. Like all junkies, they're back on the smack. They're back on the smack. And you, you were the loving spouse who took them back. And then you saw them again and again and again and again. They they apologize and again and again they go back to it and you're just left screaming. This marriage is a lie. And now you've moved on. And now you've moved on. Salzberger can't admit this. You better admit this. You can't get back the trust and the faith of the American people until you admit it. You created this issue. Trump just mastered using it against you. And he does it really well. I mean, it's got to not be easy. The media never has anybody who pushes back on them. The media goes after somebody. The media tries to destroy somebody. That person tries to push back. The media triples down. It's too much of a deluge. And they and they give in. They cave. That's the normal system. And the press feels vindicated that nobody can compete with them. What is the expression? How do you compete with somebody who buys ink by the barrel? That was the expression going back to the days of newspapers. Well, here's Trump. 
took them all on and slapped the living daylights out of them. Two men ninja, one man Come on in, Two Thunderdome. Come one on in, press, because I'm leaving. I'm the guy walking out. And he has. Again and again and again and again. And the press is shell-shocked. They absolutely, positively do not know what to do. They do not know what to do at all. They are lost. And that's part of the problem. Because part of the problem is they can't admit their own issues. They can't admit their own faults and their own failings. They can't do it. So you have a press that blames the president for creating the ugly scene without recognizing their culpability in the scene. And we expect things to get better? Oh, hell no. They can't get better. They can't get better. Not until they, they, not until they come to the Lord on this one. I'll get into more of that. Can I talk about the Canadian who changed his gender to get cheaper car insurance? Yeah, Canadians. Those people are hilarious. Uh, they think they're a country. Uh, the Canadians, this Canadian man who identified himself as David. Wait, what? Uh, he told CBC, Canadian Broadcasting, that he was given a quote of $4,500 Canadian for the insurance of a Chevy Cruze he wanted to buy. $4,500 for a Chevy Cruze, huh? But they told him that his insurance bill yearly would be $1,100 less if he was a woman. Why? Women pay less for insurance than men? That's not fair. No, no, no. No, no, no. Oh. Let's get some equality going right here. What we need is some... uh, some equality happening right up in here. So David uh, was pretty uh, irate about it. Turns out men pay higher rates as insurers deem male drivers under 25 as a higher risk of getting into accidents. It must be based on, on biology. That is that is so wrong in today's world. You can't do that. That is so oppressive. And so he says, I was pretty angry about that. I didn't feel like getting screwed over anymore. So he asked insurers to change his gender on the insurance policy, which uh, they they refused. So David, who will not be told no, no, he will not be stymied, he had to legally change his gender on a birth certificate. To do that, he had to acquire a note from the doctor acknowledging his identification as a woman. By the way, identification. No, no surgeries, no nothing. Identification. He said, I basically asked for it and told them to identify as a woman or I'd like to identify as a woman. Uh, and he wrote me the letter that I wanted. So he told the doctor, hey, I, I need this thing. And the doctor was like, sure. It's like basically how you get a, a prescription for, for medical marijuana. Um, uh, my toe hurts. Oh, oh you're going to need some cush for that. And then they, and they, and they write out the script uh, right, right there. Um, after, uh, after submitting the documentation... He was legally a female and subjected to lower premium rates for the insurance. Legally a woman, in real life a man, he's saving 91 Canadian dollars um, a month. That's a lot of Tim Hortons. That's a crap ton of Tim Hortons right there. Now, people are saying that it's a crime. Um, why, why, why is it a crime? 
you, this is how you identify. You, you're, you're, you identify as a man when you're out to dinner. You identify as a woman when you're driving. Why is, why is this a problem? Who, who are these people to tell me when and when I can't identify? I identify as I see fit. On the streets, I identify as Tony Katz. In my home, I identify as the King of Siam. I don't understand what the issue is. I don't understand why there's a problem here. This story is unbelievable. And you got to admit, it it uh, it goes down a lot of roads. We opened the Pandora's box, people. We opened the Pandora's box into all of this. What makes you think it won't be utilized in other areas? Who is to decide what is right if everything is right? It's unbelievable. That that people didn't see this coming uh, down down the road. <laughs> it's no longer down the road. It's right in front of us. Uh, earlier, uh, earlier today, I was talking about this. Uh, what happened here in uh, Carmel, Indiana? Oh, anti-Semitic vandalism on a, a, a local synagogue that I know and love. Uh, they drew a Nazi flag and 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 iron crosses. And I oppose hate crimes legislation. Indiana doesn't have hate crimes legislation and is right. Well, lo and behold, the governor coming out with a statement um, that he wants this done next session. The governor's wrong, and I like the governor, but we're going to have ourselves a fight. I'll discuss what hate crimes legislation is coming up next. I'm Tony Katz. Keep it here. Tony Katz, so good to be with you. 317-239-9393. I am so disappointed in the governor of Indiana right now. I mean... I'm having a hard time. Uh, this has to do with a a story that comes out of Indiana, the place I, I know and love. Uh, and it has to do with a synagogue called Shari Tefillah, Congregation Shari Tefillah, where uh, anti-Semitic uh, imagery, vandalism, occurred on the synagogue. It was like an outbuilding of the synagogue, and it was put in a place where you couldn't see it, and people showed up to services Saturday morning and didn't see it. It happened sometime late Friday night, early Saturday morning. They drew a Nazi flag and iron crosses, whoever did this. And they don't know who did it. There's an investigation uh, going on uh, about it, and rightfully so. The FBI is involved, and I'm not going to sit here and condone anti-Semitic graffiti. I'm not going to sit here and condone anti-Semitism. Let's, let's not kid ourselves. I'm Jewish. I don't want this in my life, but I know that anti-Semitism exists and I don't run afraid from it. And when you take a look at where this was painted, you had to drive around to the back of the synagogue to even see it. And even then it wasn't easy to see. But I mean, it's very large. It's just the way the road is is compared to where this this brick structure is. It's kind of hard to see. And that was done on perfect, on purpose, as if, you know, these people were afraid to to get caught. They They wanted to do this, but they were afraid to get caught. It's it's an amazing level of cowardice. And that said, I, these people should should be found. They should be turned in. If, if They should turn themselves in, but if you know who it is, you should turn them in. You absolutely positively can't have this in a society. These are not your friends. These aren't people uh, to protect. Not at all and in any way. They're just not people to protect. That's all there is to it. Um, but uh, one of the things that I've been discussing is that hate crimes legislation is wrong. First, there is no such thing as a hate crime. I want to make sure that I am as on the record about this as anything else. 
There is no such thing as a hate crime. There are crimes. All crimes are hateful. If you steal my father's wallet, it's because you hate him. If my father was black, it wouldn't change the fact that you stole his wallet. Hate crimes legislation is not real. What hate crimes legislation does is decides that certain groups of people who can identify in certain ways are somehow more at risk or you're saying that the crime against them is more egregious than somebody else. Some people don't like black people. It's true. I've seen white people get attacked in my life. I've seen Jews, uh, uh, you know, uh, called all sorts of names. I have seen these things and so have you. Not every day. That's why we're so shocked when they happen. They do happen, though. And for us to get engaged in this idea of being, uh, you know, uh, hyperbolic and reactionary to when these things happen as opposed to dealing with the reality doesn't help us. This is a cultural issue that will not be changed by legislation. No legislation at all will stop people from hating one another. I, I, I don't know why this is so difficult, but they've been trying to do hate crimes legislation in Indiana. There are groups out there, you know, I'm Jewish, Jewish groups out there who have been pushing this idea, and they've always been wrong. It's never even gotten out of committee, but now bring in Eric Holcomb, the governor. No law can stop evil, but we should be clear that our state stands with the victims and their voices will not be silenced. What the hell? Governor, what are you talking about? I like Governor Holcomb, by the way. This is ridiculous. No law can stop evil, but we should be clear that our state stands with the victims and their voices will not be silenced. Who is silencing the voice of the victim? What are you talking about? Honestly, sir, what are you talking about? Whose voice is silenced and where? We need legislation to say where we are? Are you sure about that? Why don't we stand with all victims and be opposed to graffiti and vandalism? That The victim here is the synagogue through the vandalism. He continues. For that reason, it is my intent that we get something done this next legislative session so Indiana can be one of 46 states with hate crimes legislation and not one of five states without it. I can't tell you the, the the lengths and depths to which I'm embarrassed. Embarrassed. We're not going to agree to disagree, Governor Holcomb. Um, you get bad advice. You get bad advice, and it's time to take a look at your staff. This is wrong. This is wrong. Indiana is a state that recognizes that everybody's protected under the law equally. What you are arguing is no, they shouldn't be protected equally. All the animals are equal, but some are more equal than others. This is the argument that you're making. Stop making it. He continues. I'll be meeting with lawmakers, legal minds, corporate leaders, and citizens of all stripes who are seeking to find consensus on this issue so that once and for all we can move forward as a state. It's not enough to be opposed. It's not enough to say Legislation doesn't solve this problem. We have to keep winning hearts and minds. No, better to be a state uh, that, oh, we don't want anybody thinking badly of us because we don't have hate crimes legislation. Why not just say, hey, Amazon, we really want your business. Amazon's looking for a new corporate headquarters. Indianapolis is possibly one of those places. Do you think it's going to help? Do you think it's going to help them uh, land, land Amazon when they say, oh, look, we have hate crimes legislation? Look, we'll do anything uh, just to get loved. 
We will basically create subsets and subclasses of people, some of whom are more protected than others, in order to get your business. Maybe it's not to Amazon. It's just, you know, the first thing I thought of. I am fully aware of the uphill battle against me, and I have always understood that I have taken positions, not always, but many times in my life, I know I'm going to lose. But you still take the position. You still take the position. You have to. You have to stand up for what you believe in, and you have to stand up for what's right. And hate crimes legislation is not right because there are no such thing as hate crimes. Do the people who, the people who created the, the, the who did the vandalism, do they, do they hate me? Yeah. Or they're just a couple of schmucks who don't even know what they're saying. I mean, we just don't know yet. They could be part of some skinhead group. They could be some known associates. They could be, uh, um, they could be uh, people who, uh, uh, they live around the, ne- the corner and they thought it'd be funny. I don't know who they are. They may not even know if they hate me. They just thought it'd be cool. I'm not sure. I mean, heck, for all I know, it could be one of those fakers. We've seen this before. People who fake crimes uh, against themselves uh, for, for the attention. There was a waiter who did this. There was a, a, a waiter who did this who claimed that someone wrote on a, uh, on a, uh, was it the receipt, right? It was on the, on the credit card receipt. We don't tip terrorists. Upon further investigation, he wrote it himself. Willing to disparage uh, these people who, who ate there, the restaurant has now offered them, uh, a, a, I think it was like a free dinner. A free dinner, you should offer them the damn restaurant, right? I mean, mistakes get made from time to time. But here's somebody who purposefully and willfully lied to move forward their agenda, and then did, they did interviews where they were talking about how hurt they were by this and how we need to stand up to intolerance. So I don't know who did this at Congregation Sherry Tefila here in Carmel, Indiana, just outside of Indianapolis. I know that hate crimes legislation is nonsense. I'm disappointed in our governor. I'm disappointed in lawmakers who are going to try and follow this lead because they want to be seen as good. This isn't good. This is do-goodery. And do-goodery is never good. I'm Tony Katz. To like the page. Be greatly appreciated. Instagram. Uh, Tony Katz uh, as well. Did I share with you this back and forth uh, between Dershowitz and Avenatti? This is CNN. Avenatti, the the uh, lawyer for Stormy Daniels, Alan Dershowitz. Alan Dershowitz. I mean, it's it starts nice enough, but then no. Do you stand by that? Well, I don't want to get personal at all, but I think there uh, it's hard to imagine how he could uh, have lawfully gotten a hold of those tapes. He did, according to press reports, have a conversation with Mr. Cohn at a restaurant, and that raises some questions because, you know, you're not allowed to speak to somebody who's counseled, who has a lawyer, and, and ask him, do you want to work together to hurt uh, Trump? So I, I'm not, I don't know whether that occurred, but if it did occur, I think uh, Michael has to do some explaining. Michael? Well, Al- Al- Alan, let me let me say this. You keep saying you don't want to get personal with me, and you keep getting personal with me, including on Fox the other well, night. I was and asked I'm going to tell question. you, 
Well, no, I'm going to tell you, I, I don't appreciate it. I'm willing to put up my track record over the last six months in this case up against yours any day of the week. I have been very, very accurate in my predictions and the statements I've made um, and the facts. And the fact of the matter is, on Sunday, mm -hmm. you expressed considerable uh, doubt as to whether I knew what I was talking about. And within 48 hours, no, no, I, I was, I was proven. No, let me finish. And within 48 no, hours, I was proven right. I said right. it was true. I said it was well, true what you're talking about, and that's why it needs some explanation. You did guarantee the American public back in May that President Trump would resign. We're watching our watches and waiting to see if that prediction comes true. That's the one prediction that you really staked your reputation on, so your reputation will turn on whether he does resign or not. Well, Alan, let me tell you, I'm going to determine what my reputation turns on, not you. I've made many predictions that and have I been. Too. To, let me let me finish. I've made many predictions that have turned out to be true, and we got two years left in this president's term. And despite the fact that he thinks you write great books, we're going to see what really happens. Well, Michael, I want to read you something. Well, that was pleasant. <laughs> and the best part is that wasn't even like the the craziest of it. I mean, it just it just got surreal. This, this, you know what match between these two? Talking only about things that you know about, as opposed to things that you have no knowledge about. You have no knowledge of the communications that went on between me and Michael Cohen's representatives it's long before press. that. Long before that, no, you don't know what you're talking about, Alan. Long before mm -hmm. that restaurant meeting, you have no idea about the communications that went on relating to a particular or proposed level of cooperation. You just make it up as you go along. You need to so, go so back. So let me ask you, you need a to go back. Question. Let me finish. Let me, no, let him finish. no, you let need to go finish. back. Hey. You need to go back and concentrate on what invites you're getting on Martha's Vineyard, since that appears okay, to be what you're really good at. Well, I'm about to head off to a, a party, so I have to leave in a minute. But good let me tell that. you, uh, if, are you saying specifically that you were given permission by Michael Cohen's lawyer to have that conversation with him in the restaurant? That's a question you should answer specifically, because if you weren't given permission to have that conversation with Michael Cohen, you may have to answer to an ethics committee about that conversation, because I taught legal ethics for 35 years, and I know a lot about legal ethics, and the one thing I know is you're not allowed to have a conversation with somebody who's counseled without the specific approval of the client to have that conversation, of the, a lawyer to have that conversation. So I think you have to explain that meeting. Alan, Alan, guess who gave me permission? Michael Cohen. He gave me permission. That's so not once enough. Again, That's no, not it enough. Mike, That's uh, not enough Alan, under Alan, the rules of ethics. Again, no, no, Alan, you're wrong. Once again, answer, Alan. Yeah. It was it was a, it was nice. It was a nice little love fest over there uh, for those two. I I have have done so little following of Avenatti and of the whole Stormy Daniels story because no no part of it is interesting. Not there's nothing interesting uh, about it. Do you think I care if the president had sex with this woman or not when he wasn't president? I don't care at all. You care about what happens in other people's bedrooms, man? Knock yourself out. I'm busy. I'm bu I got six hours of radio a day and we're trying to do more? I got a family. When's my cigar time? Where's my steak? I am busy. I got no time for worrying about who's was, was diddling who, when, where, why, and how. Could care less. And I don't know why it's a national scandal. Billionaire has sex with porn star. Shocking. Okay, now what? Only bothered me about what he does as president of the United States. Now, if it's a character issue for you and you don't want to elect him, that's fine. Don't elect the man. Don't that, that that's 
totally up to you. I'm not going to tell you you have to vote for him. But tell me I'm supposed to, it's supposed to move me and it should move all of us? Shouldn't. It's nonsense. Not nonsense. 22 illegal aliens arrested in an identity fraud scheme. DOJ announcing charges against 25 individuals who committed fraud using Puerto Rican identities. Interesting. This was to gain government benefits and vote in some of the cases. 22 of the 25 were illegal, many with records of drug dealing, violent crimes, and some previously deported. Is is Can, can I please know who's coming across the border now? Please? I'm, I'm asking for a friend. They used birth certificates and Social Security cards that were stolen or copied from Puerto Ricans to pose as American citizens to get Medicare, evade arrest, get EBT cards, uh, and and other things. So they did this operation called Double Trouble. Wasn't wasn't that a movie? It was was a TV show, Double Trouble? Okay, and uh, they got 25 of them. That's that's what they, they did. It's really, you know what? It's not even a new story. You know there are going to be more stories like this, right? You know that there are going to be more stories just like this. This is not a an isolated incident, if you will. This is this is happening, and it's why you should know who's coming into the country. Of course we should. What else is there? Why are we somehow still stunned at this very idea, at this very premise? It's really unbelievable. It's pathetic, and it's sad that somehow we're 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 lost to the idea that there's a difference between legal and illegal immigration, which is purposeful, uh, from uh, from the progressive left, purposeful, and uh, that we can't even admit that yeah we're better off knowing who's coming into the country uh, than than not coming into the country. That to to admit that is somehow. Uh, the worst thing in the world. Good Lord. Goodness uh, gracious. Uh, so now tomorrow on, on the show, uh, we're going to have more about Giuliani and Cohen. Uh, I'm going to have more on uh, the governor of Indiana making a grave mistake. I'm going to tell him directly. I'm going to tell him directly to to his face. This is wrong. And, you know, and, and please, duh, have no fear. I know I'm not alone. But I know that in in the public sphere, I will be uh, close close to a line. I I am a hundred percent aware of, of of this. But that's all right. That's all right. Sometimes being right means you're going to spend some time alone. It's all it's all you you can do. Uh, also, um, we're going to have an update on the fires there in California. Man, it's just it's getting worse. There were the fires in Athens. That were just absolutely brutal, and now uh, um, the the fires in California. Is it five people dead? There are more than a dozen in, uh, missing. Recently, the grandmother and her two grandchildren, five and four. Holy cow! Good lord, this is in Redding, uh, California. We'll have more on that story. Um, and you know, we were talking earlier about. Um, how, what what did you say in your past on Twitter and how it gets used against you in this uh, this bad joke that uh, Sarah Silverman said about um, um, inappropriate about children and, and and sex? Well, 
I said, you know, there are other people who are being charged with this, including uh, the guy who created uh, Rick and Morty, Dan Harmon. Um, there's more coming out about him and things that he's depicted on the show, and he maybe maybe this guy's got an issue. Maybe there's a reason old tweets should do someone in. Get the podcast at WIBC.com, TonyCats.com. We'll catch you tomorrow, everyone. Take care.